0: Welcome to the Driven by Prevention podcast by the Merck Animal Health swine team. Merck Animal Health is proud to be your invested partner in the industry and is focused on solving your swine disease and reproductive challenges for better business and improved animal welfare. Productivity, opportunity, partnership, wellness, all driven by prevention.
1: Thank you for joining us on today's Driven by Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ross Free. On this episode, we'll discuss Period 3 Regional Influenza Vaccine with Drs Channing Sabo and Jeremy Maher. First, Dr. Sabo, can you please give us a high-level overview of Merck Animal Health's Regional Influenza Vaccine and how you and Dr. Maher create each period's formulation?
2: Of course. Our regional influenza program started approximately 3 years ago already as a new way to approach influenza disease management for our customers. Um, we had just launched our Sequvity dashboard to analyze large volumes of sequence data rapidly and efficiently and we had started to see significant trends with different strains in certain areas. This led us to explore this concept of regional influenza disease management for our customers. Um, these vaccines, like all of our influenza vaccines, are available via prescription only. Um, we do this analysis and offer these regional vaccines three times a year. Um, Dr. Mara and myself, as diagnostic analysts, um, take the influenza strains circulating throughout the US um, and analyze and design the regional vaccines based on prevalence, different trends that we see um, within different geographical areas. Our influenza sequence data is generated from a variety of sources, too. Um, So, we use the USDA surveillance system, which we access through GenBank, as well as our customer data to build and design these vaccines.
1: Dr. Sabo, can you also talk to us about the sequence data that you analyze each period and how do you look at that and how do you use that data to create the end product for each regional flu vaccine?
2: We spend many, many hours looking at the regional influenza strains and each round building the product, looking at strain trends from basically every angle. So we start at a very high level looking at the entire United States and then get into a state-by-state analysis. In some regions, we even get more in-depth than that. Iowa is a great example. And over the years, what we've learned is we see that there are quite significant differences from what circulates in eastern Iowa versus, say, western Iowa. So, we can analyze them together as well as separately to build the best vaccine. We really let the sequences dictate the regions and do not let predefined barriers of states or anything like that define what our regions are. We look at the prevalence of each of these analyses at a high level, saying like, you know, H1 gammas versus H1 alphas, but also dive into the details of each strain, examining homology, key sites but can also use dendrograms and rely heavily on our geospatial mapping tool to study the spread of different strains through an area. Timeline is another thing that we consider in our design. So, for example, you know, if a strain is really dominant in this area and has been spreading for two years, but then about nine months ago, we are rarely seeing any cases that is weighed heavily in our analysis. We also talk with our customers. On the clinical relevance of certain strains, what was the impact to their herd, the severity, et cetera. So we can understand, you know, which strains are more severe versus others each round. We strive to build the complete vaccine with the majority of the dominant strains in that region. We currently have 6 different regional vaccines available, but that's not a fixed number. Um, That's just. Based on the data that we've currently have seen and and the regional trends that we found so far and it's redesigned and updated 3 times a year. So it's always current or as current as we, as we can make it.
1: Thanks, and, you know, just speaking of the Sequivity dashboard and some of the geospatial analysis. Can you talk to us a little bit Dr. Sabo about how customers can also use the dashboard and what kind of data is available to them?
2: The herd veterinarian has the ability to access the security dashboard and look at their own data to see how their influenza strains match up to each other, as well as, you know, different vaccine RPs that we have or against our regional vaccine formulations. They can look at just their own data for all of the last five years, just the last six months. So it's basically as large or as small as they want to look at. We also have the capacity within the dashboard to confidentially share data between different farms and different customers. Confidentiality is always extremely high of a priority and it's only shared if all parties agree. Of course, everything kept blinded and, of course, confidential this tool is a great way for veterinarians to not only see what strains that they have within their farm or within their system, but also see what strains that are in the near vicinity and what they might be at risk to get introduced into their system. We also have the ability to analyze um, everything with homology, key sites, And then, like, we've already talked about quite a bit is the geospatial mapping tool within the dashboard and the dashboard not only looks at influenza. It also has the ability to look at any sequence for really any disease. So it's really a, a tool that we use to understand viruses specifically and how they move and can impact a system. And we try to help customers as much as we can.
1: Thank you. And Dr. Maurer over to you just talking about this most recent analysis that you and Dr. Sabo went through with regional influenza in period three, can you give us kind of a high level overview of the national trends that you saw looking at the data for this last analysis?
3: We start with the the way we break prevalence down is looking at the HA clade type, or you'll also hear strain. And looking at the analysis for this period, we we look at it over a year and tabulate that and look at a percentage breakdown of each uh, strain type. So leading the way would be our H1 gammas at approximately 22%. This is close to what has been the same for the past uh, two other regional flu period analyses. And then coming behind that would be the H3 cluster 4. And that particular clade is, is driven predominantly by one specific strain type. And that has increased relative to the second period analysis by roughly 2%. And it's at 20.3% currently of the distribution we saw from this analysis. Coming behind that would be the H1 delta 2s. So those are at 18% of the breakdown from this analysis, and that's relatively close to what we've seen over the last year in previous analyses as well. So those three clades kind of lead the way. Coming behind them, then you would have in no particular order, but the next large grouping in the 10 to 15% prevalence range would be your H3 human likes and your H1 pandemics. Following that, we're below, or hovering around 5% or less in our H1 alphas, and then the Delta-1As, Delta-1Bs. And finally, uh, we have the H1 betas, which really have uh, are at very low prevalence and are usually confined regionally to the uh, Panhandle area in in the Southeast.
1: And just a follow-up question there, what benefits have you noticed when you look at this data at multiple time points during the year and then year after year looking at this this data and these sequences? What type of benefit is there to looking at it that frequently, and, and how does that help you create the, the regional influenza product?
3: I really think the main benefit has been, in addition to just tracking our prevalence data over time, period to period, and even in smaller uh, subsets of by month, six-month periods, quarterly periods, et cetera, has been how the strains move over time. And therefore, we really can shift from a reactive to a more preventative vaccination strategy, and that is really not only enhanced by these analyses, as Dr. Sabo alluded to earlier, the tools we have with the dashboard and looking at the geospatial features as well as over time, doing that repeatedly, we feel more confident in recommending and selecting strain inclusion in different regions to really highlight what herds may be at risk for. And as those strains move into areas where previously we didn't see them and and then they show up later, and then we can say, "Hmm, you know, this is a strain type that may not be in this area, but we, based off historical data, we might expect that it it would move, and we can account for that by including it in the regional portfolio. And that's a real power to utilizing the dashboard, looking at these analyses over time, and the flexibility of the Ziquivity prescription platform itself.
1: That's great. And so when you reference you know, watching these influenza strains move, it's not only just a prevalence Increase or decrease, it's also you can see the movement regionally or geographically as well.
3: Correct. And even further breaking it down, looking at not only the particular clade, but really diving in and, and looking at dendrograms and homology charts and then the key sites. Um, all of those things are considered, as Dr. Sabo previously alluded to, when, when we're doing and conducting these analyses.
1: All right, well, we'll come back after the break and finish up our discussion of regional influenza.
0: Today's Driven by Prevention podcast is brought to you by Sequivity. New and evolving diseases and pathogens represent a continuing threat to the food animal population. Sequivity, a revolutionary RNA particle technology from Merck Animal Health, is at the forefront of vaccine technology designed to combat this ongoing risk. Learn more at Sequivity.com.
1: Dr. Meyer, just back to you for one more question. When you look at the data each period and throughout the year, what are some decision points that you and Dr. Sabo use to decide to change a regional influenza vaccine from one period to the next?
3: We typically start with looking at the prevalence of the strain types. And then the the other key decisions would be highlighting the key sites by prevalence as well. And also looking at more in depth to say what's more current and what is their key site alignment. That is particular to the H1 deltas and the H3s. So they're really central to our decision-making. And then I think another area would be what kind of drift are we observing relative to the previous strains that were selected for the past regional? So, are we getting to a point where on a homology difference, we may expect, based off of our experience and discussions with key opinion leaders, that it might be time to change and go with a different strain type that increases the overall homology match uh, relative to what we want to include in the regional and then the, the current strains distribution in that area. And then, we previously talked about it, but the geospatial movement patterns of strains is really critical and helps us uh, highlight where we may be able to to enact more of a predictive vaccination strategy. And then, Finally, it's a little bit harder, but I think one of the things that we have going for us is, the tech service team and their, their network of uh, customers they deal with and getting a real idea of the clinical picture of some of these strain types as they come into the dashboard and knowing, Hey, you know, this one might be more virulent than what we've seen in the past we even looking at its prevalence, yeah, based off its uh, virulence, we we may wanna include that in the region because it's it's acting up.
1: Thanks for walking us through that. And Dr. Sabo, just back over to you. We've talked a little bit about the dashboard and and how you all use the dashboard to create the regional influenza vaccine each period. Just curious, how can veterinarians who are interested in uploading their own farm influenza sequences, how can they put those in the dashboard and for those that do, what benefit is there to that veterinarian?
2: Of course, Um, so we have multiple ways to get that sequence data into the dashboard. And probably the first and easiest way is directly through the dashboard. We have an automatic download that actually pulls these sequences hourly from the Iowa State Diagnostic Lab. And so it actually checks that system on an hourly basis and pulls them in immediately whenever they're available. It only takes about five minutes to set up, and then it will basically check the system every hour to pull in those sequences. So anytime a customer then wants to do an analysis with their latest cases or their newest cases, they're already in our system and we don't have to, you know, go digging for the old case that's, you know, how many months old. I think we've all been through been through that trying to dig through the website of, you know, hundreds of cases that we submit for that one one sequence that we that we're hunting for. Another way that we can get in sequences, if you're using a different diagnostic lab, or don't want to have the automation set up is for just to simply forward us via email individual cases. So we have the ability to manually enter them on a, on an individual basis as well. And our last option is if you have a larger amount of data, say historical sequences that are maybe stored in Excel file or some sort of fashion like that, we can take all of those sequences and upload them at once into the system. And so we pull basic information off the diagnostic lab report, farm name, the veterinarian, sample type, where that farm is located, things like that, that then we can use to search and, and then analyze those sequences appropriately. So all of those fields are then searchable and then can be viewed and, and used by the veterinarian to build and design their vaccine. So all options are available to to any of our customers. It just is based on personal preference and really what diagnostic lab you're using as well. So we're always available to decide whether or not If you have sequences, we can get them into the system in a short period of time, we can analyze them, and we can walk you through what the best options are, whether it's, you know, regional, whether it's custom is going to be required because regional is not a good match for, say, one of your farms. Um, Or we even have a lot of customers that end up going with a combination where they have one strain that does not really align up with regional, but yet they want the regional concept where they're adding in strains from at-risk perspective, and we'll include that. If you have sequences, we'll figure out how to get them in and we can analyze them for you and compare it in every which way.
1: Dr. Maurer, last question about regional influenza for you. How many strains would typically be included in a regional influenza vaccine?
3: Typically, we have six different strains included in each regional product. And as Dr. Sabo alluded to earlier, there's typically six regional products available, so six and six. I do want to highlight that within each region, they are not the exact same six strains, nor are they the same clade or strain breakdown. For example, one region may have two different H3 cluster fours, while another region may only have one cluster four, but perhaps it has two gammas. So. Just want to highlight that we have at our disposal a broad array of different strain types that are curated for each particular region and believe six is relatively a good number to highlight and capture the diversity in in each area.
1: Dr. Sabo and Dr. Maurer, thank you for walking us through regional influenza and how that product is put together each ordering period. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today on the Driven by Prevention podcast. To learn more about regional influenza vaccines, contact your Merck Animal Health representative or visit sequivity.com.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Driven by Prevention podcast. Please subscribe for future episodes from Merck Animal Health and learn more about Merck Animal Health at driven by